This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor at NBCSports.com's NBA page with you as always. And today, hey, we're looking at the top half now. The best players we project in five years as part of our 50 Best Players in Five Years project at NBC Sports. Last week, Rob Doster was on this podcast. We talked about the bottom half and a lot of the guys there who are in high school, plus some of the uh, pros that are there. But it's names you know and names you're familiar with as we move up the ladder in this one in the top half. So to break it all down, we've got Dan Feldman coming in with us from NBC Sports. How's it been going, Dan? Good. How are you? Good. Nice, quiet summer. Starting to come to an end as uh, camp start to camp start to get close to opening and guys, you know, get suspended for PEDs. So, you know, we're getting to that time of year. Yes, always uh, always an exciting time for sure. All right, well, we, we brought you in to talk about the second half, the top half of the best 50 players in five years. The tw- We're going 25 to 1. We're working our way up. Um, and number 25, one of the guys, part of the biggest trades of this summer, Shea Gildas-Alexander, who's uh, now a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder and kind of a guy who will be, well, I think they're hoping, one of the cornerstones for what they're ultimately going to be rebuilding there, right? Yeah, so he's somebody um, that I was a little bit lower on than the rest of our group in ranking. Not crazy lower, I just had him a little lower. I think he was propped up a little bit last year because he spent so much time on a winning team that you know you kind of say, okay, well, here's a rookie who can step in and look completely competent on a pretty darn good team that must bode well. And I think in some ways he was, um, they, they were propping him up, the other Clippers. He wasn't quite as ready as it might have looked he was good enough to blend in but it to me wasn't as good as the credit he got last year but i'm still encouraged by his development i still think he's going to be somewhere around this range in five years i just think it'll be a real interesting test next year when he joins what probably by the end of the year will not be nearly as strong of a team no i think that there's more trades coming to the thunder i mean obviously they're going into completely you know rebuild mode and and um, you know, Chris Paul will not be there. It's going to, you know, I, I would think one way or another. I mean, he'll start the season there. But I, I, I like Gilgis. I think what I like is that the the way Doc Rivers built up his confidence, the way he kind of propped him up, the way he was able to keep him in there, I think that just bodes well for that. That's a good group to learn from professionally long term. I think I think he comes in with with some advantages of having been in that locker room as he's because they're going to bring it. I mean, where they got twelve picks over the next um, <laughs> few years. Like they've got so many picks coming in that you're going to need somebody to be kind of the a, become a more veteran, experienced leader. And we can make the case that they should go get some veteran to a veteran or two to have in the locker room to teach these guys. But Gildas Alexander can fill some of that role too. Plus I look, I just, he's got good handles. He's got long arms. He can defend. He does a lot of things pretty well. And I think he, there is certainly room for growth there, but I just, I like his potential. So. Agree very much on, on the room for growth and the tools and being on the right track. I think we might overrate him, his present ability just a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. Number 24, John Collins, uh, part of what's going to be a really interesting tandem in Atlanta. I mean, I, it's a little hard to talk about him, I guess, without Trey Young in a sense, but obviously they picture those two as the core. And, you know, Tom Heverstrow wrote on on John Collins and, and said that he thought that they could be the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire of the next generation. Yeah, I mean, very, very high praise. Um, that comparison is one of the reasons... Collins, I don't know if there was a player that you and I had more disagreement on than Collins. Yeah. I had him much lower. 
Um, I have some defensive concerns, especially. I'm also not sure how much I believe in his outside shooting. It, it was solid for his position uh, late last year. Small sample. I'd like to see more. I'm not totally convinced there. Uh, you know, has good explosiveness. Uh, some some definitely offensive tools to work with inside and an emerging game outside. I'm I'm just not sure if it's the full package. Is he going to be a center? Is he going to be a power forward? I have I have some more concerns. I think ultimately he's got to be a five, right? To, to me, he's ultimately your center, or at least playing. I mean, you could play him some at the four, some next to a traditional five, depending on the matchups. But I, I think ultimately he's your center, and I think that that becomes a question. He's got to become the rim protector and defender that they need if you're going to play him at the five. Um, and you know, look, he's never going to be Anthony Davis or something on that end. But well, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five, but he can be, <laughs> but I think he can be. Um, I, I think he can have some value there. I just I like that tandem. And by the way, I like some of the DeAndre Hunter, some of the potential like goes around them too. Again, we'll see what DeAndre Hunter ends up being in an NBA setting, but I like the pieces they're putting together in Atlanta at least. That's gonna be a really interesting team to watch. Yeah, so I, I agree that the the five is probably the right position for John Collins long term, but then the defensive questions are even heightened. You can't really hide a bad defensive center, not if you're asking him to be an all-star on the level that we expect him collectively to come out to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, number 23, Kyrie Irving. He will be 32 when this comes out. I, mean, I feel like in some ways he's at the low ebb of his... Um, you know, after after kind of how everything went in Boston, and then him being being the scapegoat there for what happened to the locker room, fair or not, um, the guy still can just get buckets, man. He still has he can still just cross over anybody. He's still quick. He still runs a smart floor. He can still shoot the three. And at thirty two, my guess is he's still going to be able to do all those things. Do you think if Kyrie Irving told the Celtics after everything that went wrong last year, hey, I want to resign? Uh, you know, I've, I've had a change of heart. I, I want to say, do you think there's any doubt they would have re-signed him? They might have had some trepidation, but don't you think they would have re-signed him? In a him? heartbeat. Right? I mean, he's that talented, and he'll still be young enough where, where he can be a big-time contributor. Absolutely. I mean, I just think he's going to still be a very good player. I, you know, and Brooklyn might be a good spot for him, especially next to, a, <clears throat> you know, ultimately, in a year next to Kevin Durant, who's... You know, I think Rob Doster and I had this conversation last time about, you know, how good is he going to be when he comes back? I'm a little higher on him than Rob was. But I think that that pairing with Kyrie Irving could work really well because you've got, you know, I don't think Durant's still going to be able to handle the ball a little, but it's just he's not going to have the same explosiveness, obviously. He's still not going to, he's not going to be quite the same guy in that physical sense. And I think having an explosive point guard next to him will be perfect. That's an interesting Theory, I hadn't really thought about that. The Durant injury might make him fit better with Irving. You'd probably rather have the more explosive, more talented oh, yes. Durant. No, and hope they can make it work. But maybe it will be easier, and maybe there will be fewer diminishing returns. That's that's interesting. I, I'm also interested in Kyrie Irving's next season because, hey, next year he is going to be their clear best player. There's going to be a natural leadership role that falls yep. on the best player, the the starting point guard, and uh, we. Just to put it lightly, there are a lot of questions about yes. Kyrie Irving's leadership ability. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting, especially with a team that has a a very developed culture. I guess you could have said that about Boston too, but in, in, mm-hmm. like they, in Brooklyn, they have very much set up a culture and a style and a, and a belief in who they are and what they're trying to do. And I think they want Irving to fit into that more than 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 uh, take it a new direction. So it'll be interesting to see. Number twenty-two, John Morant. It's all. So hard to project out rookies who have you know we have not seen at all, but the athleticism and the potential and the passing are there for him to be this kind of guy. Yeah, I mean he is such a dynamic playmaker. Uh, point guards, I think, are especially hard to project. It's a longer runway for them to yep. build up from from where they are as they enter the league to this star status. Most don't do it quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two. Uh, we're wondering how the heck did we have John Morant so high? And then in five years, we're like, oh, yeah, maybe we even had him too low. Uh, so it's so tough to project. But what he can do as a playmaker is incredible. If his shooting were a little better, he'd be way higher on this list up in the Trey Young range. Exactly. I think he's got to get there with the shooting a little bit. But, again, that's something that can come with time. And it's just 
Yeah, Memphis is going to be fun to watch and interesting over the next couple of years, too, with, with Jaron Jackson Jr., who's higher on this list. We'll be talking about him in a few minutes. And, and just, that's, like I said, I just think that that's a, I think they're doing it the right way. I think they're building an interesting team. We'll just, I mean, it's a lot now about player development there, right? Like, it's about both putting these guys in the right position, but I think, you know, Atlanta did a great job bringing in Lloyd Pierce and, you know, whatever we think of John Collins and Trey Young and what that team will ultimately be, I think they're developing them properly, and we'll see if Memphis can do that. Well, building the right way, yes, I I do like what they've done. Uh, The biggest thing that's happened to aid their their growth is moving way up in the lottery yeah. last or this year. And then last year, you know, they moved down a couple slots, but it was also in a deep draft. Like they happened to have a bad record in a year where a player like Jaron Jackson was available at number four. That doesn't happen every year. Exactly. Uh, number 21, a, a guy I thought was a little tough to place a little bit. Cause I'm just, I'm not as sold on him, but he just put up numbers. Deandre Ayton. Um, <clears throat> look, the guy can get buckets. I think how good he can be, Partially, he's going to look like a lot of bigs. It might depend on who's around him a little bit to get him the ball and the situations they can put him in. And also, just the defense has got to be a whole lot better than it was. Yeah. Um, as much as you might have some hesitancy about where to place him, I had thir- him 13 spots lower than you did uh, on our ballots. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just the defensive questions. Can he figure out how to be a rim protector? I'm very encouraged, though, by the creative ways they used him last year defensively, yep. putting him on forwards like Giannis and LeBron. And he had some good moments there. And I wonder, is there some unorthodox defense of scheme where you can have your center regularly filling those roles? Are there enough matchups to make that work? And is there somebody else you can have uh, as that backline defender protecting the rim? I think there's some interesting potential there, uh, but there is a lot to figure out. Yeah, exactly. Well, thing is, I don't think we have to worry about that organization at all with Robert Sarver at the head. They will be a steady ship that will help guide these guys calmly. To, oh, geez. That's like part of That's a whole other whole nother issue with this was like trying to in some ways separate the player, especially young players and how they're developing from questions about where they're developing and to a degree. Like how much is something going to hold them back? Could they finally break through because they're being held back by by system, by coaches by by just a program that's not necessarily great at developing so i've got a a hard question for you okay okay of the 50 players we ranked in five years how many of them do you think will be on the same team they're on now and i mean it's it's so unknowable but we're in this era of of player movement that maybe maybe i didn't put enough stock especially for a young player like deandre ayton who's under so much team control maybe i didn't put enough stock into what their organization is uh but of these 50 if you had to make a rough guess today how many will be on the same team in five yeah, years i i had that question i thought about that a little bit i was like i think 20 is the high end it's probably more like 15 20 yeah yeah i mean yeah. I, I think the majority of them there will be a plurality that are still on that same team but the, and a few of them it's kind of like you know look uh we we talked about clay thompson uh, he will just have finished you know the five-year contract, he probably rides that out. There's a couple other guys um, we haven't talked to who just about, you know, Chris Tapps Porzingis we'll get to here in a little bit, just signed, the, you know, a max. Like, those those kind of guys probably, but you never know. Uh, you, we thought that about, oh, I don't know, Blake Griffin. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't last very long. But, yeah, I think, right. I think the majority of these guys are going to be on the move, just the way the league is kind of shaking out now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Gonna, all right. Number 20. Pascal Siakam, who had a breakout year and, and kind of became a guy with the Raptors this year. I, um, I guess the question is just how high is his ceiling? He's a little older than some of these other guys. Like he's been in the, you know, he spent more time in college. He's taken a little bit to come around. By the time in five years, he'll be in the middle of his prime, but, or, or, or the almost, almost towards the back of it, but in his prime, what is his ceiling? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the age because it, it, I think people overestimate his ceiling. Because look at look how far he's grown in just three years in the NBA. He's also already 25. Yep. You know he'll be 30 in the time we're judging. Uh, that's on the back end of his prime, or might even be past his prime yeah. for an athletic player like him. But I love his skill development. I love his mindset, his attitude, his approach. Uh, clearly, his work ethic. Uh, he is definitely on the right track, and I, I think we've got him in the right range. Yeah. Number 19 is Kristaps Porzingis, and he's one of the several guys where it's just like, uh, 
you're trying to project him coming off of an injury, um, a major injury in his case, an ACL that had him out for a season. And that becomes the hard part, right? Like, how is he going to move? How is this, or is this going to affect his game? Is he going to be back? If he's back to being and can stay healthy and is back to being closer to what we saw with the Knicks and then, you know, building from there with Luka Doncic and everything, like, we might have him too low, but it's just hard to know. Yeah, this was definitely a hard one, and it's not just the ACL injury. You know, he has a history of these yep. injuries, and he's seven foot three, and it's hard to feel great about him staying healthy. Uh, we probably have this spot wrong. If he gets yes. hurt again, he'll be way lower. If he's healthy, he'll be I have a few uh, guys uh, like that. A good notch higher. Like I think we just cut it in the middle. And I think that was the right way to handle it, but this is probably the wrong spot. Yeah, I think there's a couple guys that we'll get to. I've I've had that exact same thought. We're either too low or too high on them, and we ended up here because we find them hard to project because of the injuries, because of health, because we don't know what guy they're going to be physically in five years. And Porzingis has the potential to be a much better player than than we've than we've let on, but we'll see. I'm not let on, but then we've ranked him. Um, in fact, another kind of guy that was a little harder to rank was at number 18 in a different way. That's James Harden, who will certainly be past his... Look, right now, best scoring machine in the NBA, at his peak, in his prime. Five years from now, how much does his game fade, and how much does he... He's not a guy who, like, I don't know, Westbrook is not on our list, because... I think we all started to see decline in his athleticism, and we just think he does not necessarily have the craft to his game to survive. Harden's all craft. Like he is a. It's not that he's not so athletic, but he's a lot of craft. And like, how does his game age? I think, I think fairly well. Yeah, I think fairly well. Also, um, I thought it was interesting looking back at our individual rankings. Uh, and, you know, of course, we have players we disagree on here and there. But I, the one common theme I found is I have players who are in that age range, that 29 to 31 age range, guys like Steph Curry, Harden, uh, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson. I had them consistently much higher than you did. Yes. Uh, so I looked back at 2014 All-Stars, guys who are in that 29 to 31 age range, and just tried to see, hey, which one of us Smart was missing idea. something. I think it's me. Uh, 2014 <laughs> All-Stars who are in the 29 to 31 age range. LeBron, Tony Parker, Chris Bosh, Carmelo Anthony. And think about what we view, yeah. how we view those players yeah. today. Now, not all of them are at the level Harden and Curry are at no. now. Um, those players, that those four that I just mentioned, Curry, Harden, Lillard, Clay Thompson, they're also excellent outside shooters. That's often a skill that, that uh, ages very well. Uh, so Harden is tricky. Um, one thing I'm very curious about with you, though, uh, one of the bigger disagreements we had, and I didn't have it by much, but what's your justification for James Harden ahead of Steph Curry? Uh, Harden is slightly younger, but they're about the same age. I think Curry is better right now. Maybe you disagree with that. So what, why did you uh, decide to put Harden ahead of Curry? I'm more concerned about Curry's ankles and his health, and, and he's just a more... He's not built to take, I mean, I guess they both put a lot of miles and, and Harden certainly takes a lot of physicality with his style of play and getting to the line. But I, I think he's built the hand a little better. I'm just more concerned about, look, the shooting is still going to be there for Curry, but I'm just concerned about his handles, his health, his defense, like some of that slipping more. I'm not worried about Harden's defense slipping. So, <laughs> um, but I think that I was more concerned about that. But that's one of the ones where I look back now and I'm like, did, did, did I have him too low? Did I have... Do I have Curry a little lower than I should have? Like, I feel more comfortable saying, hey, Durant I'm a little worried about. And I think we had Clay Thompson a little low, and that was probably just a result of him coming off that ACL. But, yeah, Curry might I might have had Curry low, but I just I think Harden's game will age better in some ways. We'll see. Um, I think, by the way, you mentioned those guys. All those, any list that has LeBron James on it as a, as a part of your aging curve should just be thrown out. <laughs> like he's just he's not the norm. Like he's the freak of nature who who blows the curve. So you you can't really count him in with the other guys. We can move on to just above James Harden, another guy that I was much higher on than everybody else, Bradley Beal, um, who is just turning twenty five. Um, we'll see where he is. He's he had some health issues earlier in his career. 
But, uh, okay, 26, my bad. But I'm, I I just think, he, I mean, he's played 82 games the last two years. I, I believe in his health, and I just think he's going to be a very good player. He's, he's much, I had him much higher than most people. And it's funny, when I went through and, and massaged the list a little after we got everything back, and I, one of the things I tried to do was, hey, somebody had player X up too high as a, as a an outlier. Like, um, I was the outlier on, on on Bradley Beal. I had him much higher than everybody else just because I think he's going to be phenomenal still in five years. Um, where Do you think he ages well? I mean, where do you think – do you think this number is about right? So we have him 17th. I had him 17th. You have him number eight. Um, he's going to be 31 in five years, and I think there's a decent chance that's past his peak. So if you told me 8 is going to be his peak value, I think 8 is much closer than 17 for what his peak value will be. I just thought, you know, on the aging curve, this is what can be tough to project is, I think he's going to get up into that top 10-ish range and then slip back just a little bit by 2024. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, I I believe in his game in the same way as you do. Uh, The shooting, he's expanded as a primary ball handler. Uh, he cares enough defensively. Like, I, I like his intensity, how hard he consistently plays. Like, I like his game a lot. I was just a little bit scared off by the age that, you know, being 31. Um, I, th- I, can, I can understand that. I can see that. Next up on the list was Jaron Jackson Jr. I think a guy that a lot of us are kind of, yourself included, are kind of high on. Like, we think he has the potential to be something special down in Memphis. But... Again, we're one year into his career. Yeah, but the, the encouraging signs were there at Michigan State, and they showed up in the exact same way. And it's not even a year because he missed so much time to injury. That's but true. they showed up in the exact same way you wanted to see, right? There were no surprises. Nothing looked fluky. He was playing well in the way that if you said he's going to play well, this is what it looked like. He's he's blocking shots. Uh, he's shooting three-pointers. He's, he's looking like a, a fluid and mobile athlete for his size. It's all showing up how you'd want to see it. Yeah, and again, I think that this is where it gets interesting in Memphis when you pair him with John Morant and, and the potential there and the other young guys that they will be bringing in over the next few years. Um, that could be one of those young, hopeful, fun-to-watch teams, but I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is at the heart of, of what, a lot of what they're going to want to do because he can be that, in, you know, well, we've got him 16th. I mean, we're talking about a guy who would be at all-star level, maybe all-NBA level, um, Big man who can, like you said, protect the rim, step out and shoot threes. He just fits the modern game brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, he, he has it all for what you want for a big man. Um, the question I had for him coming out was toughness. I wasn't sure whether he was tough. He might be, he might not be. You know, he might just, maybe it's not that he's not tough, but he's not physically developed enough. He seemed tough enough to me in a limited sample, but not enough to... Uh, completely convinced me it's still something I, I want to see. And as he fills out and gets stronger, I'm guessing it'll come. I would think so, too. And that takes us up to number 15, Jamal Murray. You know, one of the ways Rob Doster put this first in an email we were all having, and one of the ways I tried to look at this in some time with some of the guys was, hey, if I was a GM this summer, would I give him a five-year contract? Would I want him five years from now on my roster? Denver did that. <laughs> Denver just gave Jamal Murray. Uh, I think they're betting a little bit that he's got more development in him to be the second star next to Nikola Jokic. But that's the bet, right? Like that, that he can be that guy, that he can be the point guard, that he can be the perimeter to everything Jokic does on the inside. And it worked pretty well last year. Yeah, I mean, he has to develop to live up to that contract. He's not a max player right now. But he's very young, and it's easy to see him getting there. I, I was a little uh, leery of that extension. Uh, he would have been a restricted free agent. Yes, you make sure you lock him up for five years. There's no risk of him signing like a two-plus-one offer sheet to, to leave sooner. Uh, or I, I couldn't even imagine him taking the one-year qualifying offer, but I suppose that'd be possible. You eliminate that. You make sure you keep a good young player, but you are paying him a lot before you have to, and I'm not so sure that he's worth it. Now, I think he probably will be. I had him uh, right in the same range where we have him ranked, and so did you. Uh, so I think it'll work out okay. But, you know, he he hasn't had to be the playmaker because Jokic is. So you can say on one hand, oh, they're a great fit together. On the other hand, you could say, well, 
maybe that limits how uh, his value, what, where he can be traded, what environments he can fit into. He needs to be a little more efficient. He needs to be a little better on defense. Like, he's definitely on the right track for his age. It's just not there yet. There is a projection here. Yeah, there definitely is a projection there. So uh, the other, I mean, we're doing that with all these guys. You talk about the guy above him, number 14, uh, just after his rookie season, or second season, I should say, um, De'Aaron Fox with the Kings. I think, by the way, this this became a topic at uh, NBA camp, uh, I'm sorry, USA basketball camp here in Los Angeles when they were out here. He's the fastest guy in the league with the ball in his hands now, right? Like that yes. seemed to be the consensus. I don't, may, you know, John Wall had that title for a while. Obviously, it's not him physically right now. Westbrook was in that category, but I'm not sure he is. I'm not sure who would be faster than, with the ball than De'Aaron Fox right now. But what was interesting was Kemba said last, you know, he was fast as a rookie, but it was his second year he learned to be fast and under control, and that changed a lot for him. And as his jumper comes around, and I think that that's the Jumper and then the ability to kind of finish near the rim a little better turns him into the guy who can be number 14 and, frankly, could be a cornerstone for the Kings to make them, heck, they can make the playoffs. It's not just that he's fast with the ball. It's that he's fast and can orchestrate everybody around him. That was a big part of the jump last year is, uh, you know, he got them into their offense very quickly, running the fast break. He, He ran it in a way that everybody was in their right spots. He looked like a veteran point guard which is so rare after year two and is so rare after the rookie year he had. He was overwhelmed as a rookie. He wasn't ready for the big role the Kings gave him. That's fine, right? They were a rebuilding team. Nothing wrong with giving a young player a big role. And it's for reasons like this. It's for him to make that kind of jump. I thought he was robbed for most improved player. I I thought he was uh, one of the most improved players ever in NBA history. Didn't even win it in this year. I thought it was a mistake. And I'm not sure exactly where to go with him from here because you rarely see a point guard jump like that so early in their career i don't does he have another jump in him probably not he's getting closer to ceiling how much uh, more steady development can he have i'm projecting a good amount i think he's going to be an excellent player and yeah. i think belongs at least this high on this list but this is probably about right yeah i say i think he in theory could be a little higher on this list but Part of that, again, is is can he lift the team up around him? And, and what does that team look like? These are the Kings. I mean, there's some nice pieces there, by the way. I mean, Marvin Bagley Jr. was on the bottom half of this list. And they've got potential. But um, another one where you're like, man, I hope the program doesn't hold him back. We'll see. Um, I, I, I like Fox a lot. And I think that development comes with the defense a little bit. But also just, like I said, as that jump shot starts to come in, then... Then he becomes so much more difficult to guard, just because you you know you can't really stop both. Um, it, it becomes a a huge challenge. Number thirteen, you wrote on him, Devin Booker. Um, not as good as the fans in Phoenix think he is, but then again, I believe they think he can walk on water. Um, but he guy puts up numbers. Guy can just go get buckets and score, and it's going to be interesting to see how that fits now next to Ricky Rubio this year. Yeah, I mean, I. This, Devin Booker is our last big disagreement between you and I. I had him 10th. You had him 26th. Yeah, I'm, just, uh, I'm not a believer. Difference. Yeah. Are, are you concerned? I mean, I see the concerns, right? Yeah. His, his defense is lacking. His mindset is is not what you'd want to see. I, I, I don't know. It was easy to dismiss that incident uh, in that pickup game where he oh, got mad and, yeah. somebody double-teamed him. But it's also not that hard to say, hey, this is who this guy is. He's somebody who's going to, like Joe Kim Noah approaches a game trying to win it. Devin Booker was approaching that game trying to develop his his scoring skills. And that's okay sometimes. There's definitely nothing wrong with that. But when does Devin Booker approach games doing whatever he can to win them? We haven't seen that. Joe Kim Noah does it all the time, and I see how that graded on Devin Booker. But we need to see that from Booker for him to justify being this high. And I think he'll get there. He's so young. He has the talent. There's never really been anybody like him who's lost so much early in their career yeah. and then become an all-NBA player. There's also never been anybody who scored like him at such a young age. Uh, so I do think it's a decent bet that he somehow gets there. How do you like him and DeAndre Ayton as a pair? Ugh. See, that's that's you talk about environment, right? There were already signs last year that they were grading on each other and uh, – frustrated that the other one wasn't yeah. doing the right things and it's like neither of you are doing the right things yet like yeah. can you guys see this or are you just gonna blame each other is this gonna get worse i i like the talent level uh 
do I have faith in them figuring it out together in Phoenix? Look, that's tough, and that's where maybe I didn't account enough for environment. Yeah, I think, by the way, I, I, I will give them this much credit. Um, I think Monty Williams was a good hire mm-hmm. as a coach, as a, as a guy who's going to bring structure and bring discipline and bring a a mindset there that, that could be very good for both of them. So I'm I'm high on that hire and high on what that could mean for Booker and Aiton, but... Uh, you know, I'm I'm Missouri on this one. You got to show me. Um, <laughs> I, not, fair. I I I I need to see it, but I think the the potential is there. And and I look, I like the way Booker scores. You're just you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prove it to me a little bit. Number twelve, a guy who I thought has looked really good with Team USA, um, Jason Tatum. He's looked fluid again. I think he and and Jalen Brown both have looked. Um, back to more like their selves of a year ago and a little more comfortable with Greg Popovich, just more mature. Um, you watch him play in person, man. It's such a fluid game. He's so athletic. He can do what he wants. And I guess the question just becomes, can he tap that potential? Yeah, imagine if we did these rankings after his rookie year. I mean, he probably yeah. would have been top five. Um, and I think he took a step back because what made him so good was how decisive he was with the ball. He'd launch yep. threes. And it was something he was not good at early in his rookie year. And the light bulb went on. Brad Stevens convinced him, you've got to launch these threes when you're open. Uh, don't dribble around looking for these mid-range twos. Like, he played an efficient, decisive game. And he lost it last year. He decided he wanted to be more of a star. He wanted the ball in his hands more. And, you know, he wasn't bad by any means. Like, we still have him very high. It was just a little slip. Raises some questions about his approach, his mindset. Uh you can very easily point to him working out with Kobe Bryant over the summer as something that made a, a difference in this. Maybe he gets back to playing the style he did as a rookie. Uh, when you play that way, too, it also left him more energy for defense. I think there is a way for him to get back in that top five track. Uh, there's also a higher ceiling by playing the way he played last year, right? If you yep. play this ball dominant style, there's a higher ceiling. I'm not sure he is going to reach the ceiling playing that way. I have would have more faith that if he played that slightly more limited game and went to the ball-dominant uh, style only when necessary, I'd have his expected value higher. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, And I think he can get back to that. I think he can get back to the to the to playing the system. I, how much of Kyrie's and the, the weird stuff in that locker room, you know, ties into that. I asked him directly, and, and a couple other people varied the question because he didn't kind of kept dodging it. We're like... Do you think it hurt your reputation when the team struggled and how all this went on? And he kind of finally conceded it probably didn't help. But I think he thought it was, there were, he seemed to think there were a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on, but he wasn't really going to talk about it. We'll, we'll see. I think he's got, like I said, it's just a world of talent um, if, if he gets in and plays that system. Number 11, by the way, is, we, we talked about this with Porzingis, number 11 is Joel Embiid. And to me, he was exactly the same problem. If he's healthy, I mean, if, if five years from now he's healthy and he's playing 72-plus games a season and the playoffs, we've got him way too low at 11. Like, he's a top three beast um, five years from now. But will he be? Because if his knees are bothering him or his feet or he's got other injury issues and then that's the concern, then this is going to be too high and he's going to be in around 30. I mean, it's hard to predict what depends on the injuries and how much time he's missing, but I think that this was one where we split the difference again. So this is a slightly different question. This is not where is he going to be in five years, but where do you think he ranks in the league at his peak? Uh, where, Whenever that is, wherever that is, like what ranking in the league? So we have him 11 in five years, but at his peak, whenever that comes, where would you have him ranked? Um, and by the way, I got a feeling that peak is in the next year or two. I think that one of these next couple of years, he's going to be healthy and really in shape and go and and lead Philly really deep in the playoffs. Um, and when he does that, top five, maybe top three. I'd yeah, I mean, to, I, my, my number to, was going to be three, I mean, yeah. give or take, right? I mean, he is a beast waiting to be unleashed. He's already so good. And you saw how the playoff loss affected him. I think there was a, a lesson there about getting in shape and the intensity you need to, to compete deeper yeah. into the playoffs. Like, I, I think that was a real thing. It's a real thing that players need to go through to experience and grow from. And I think he has a, I mean, he is awesome defensively, so good offensively inside, outside. Like, 
I think he's just going to be one of the very best players in the league soon. How good will he be in 2024, though, is tough. He'll be 30 years old. Uh, his injuries, like you said, 30, he could be not in the top 100. I mean, he could be broken down by then. Yep. Uh, I, the window could be very short. So I, I agree with you on the splitting the difference at 11. Yeah, it's really hard to say because I think his peak is so good, but it's it's five years from now is just how healthy he is is hard to predict. At number 10, Trey Young, a guy I think we're high on the development of because, well, we saw it as a rookie, right? Like he struggled in November. He struggled at the start of the year. But talk about a guy who could adapt and figure out how, to, all right, that's what they're doing. This is how the game is played. This is what the length is. This is what I need to do. I mean, by the end, he's pushing Luka Doncic a little bit for Rookie of the Year. You know, he's playing phenomenally good basketball um, as a rookie. There was a lot to like there, and I think that, you know, with his passing skills and with his shooting, if he gets a little stronger, he learns to finish around the rim. Obviously, his defense got to get better, but the potential is there for him to just be special. Right. I mean, you, you look at the two big skills that make point guards, uh, you know, special the the superstars it's those two it's the ability to shoot from the outside off the dribble into the passing he can carry a a excellent offense and be a big part of of an excellent team and so yeah he projects right in line to become a superstar point guard yeah exactly at number nine ben simmons one of the (coughs) excuse me one of the guys that's a little harder to project i mean 6'10 ball handling guys with his skill set, just there aren't many of them. But then there, and he can defend and he can do all this. And then there's the jump shot. And then there's the question of like, who's is, can he be the leader? You know, look at the playoffs last year, he was in the dunker spot for chunks. Like, can he be that guy? I think he, I think the potential is there, but how good can he be versus how does he fulfill that ceiling is kind of the question. So if, if we're ranking players based on their likelihood to be a star in five years, he is right up there near the top of the list. He's so good and so young yeah. already. If we're ranking players on their ability to be a superstar in the next five years, he would rank pretty low because of that jumper. It's just going to cap his ceiling. It's so hard to build a good offense with a guard who shoots like that or more accurately doesn't shoot like that. I mean, his jumper is so rough. It, you know, there are other players who, don't have the greatest three-point percentage. He just doesn't even shoot them. Like, that is so telling of how far off he is. Uh, people who I trust to understand shooting mechanics better than I do myself, when they've seen it, when they've seen glimpses of it, uh, are really discouraged, really don't believe he can develop it uh, or is likely to develop it or anywhere near that. Right? Somebody like LeBron came into the league, uh, and again, you made the great point that we shouldn't compare LeBron too much. We shouldn't like yeah. make him the thing but still it's not just lebron he's one of the more noble examples jason kid sure great one uh their jumpers didn't look as broken as ben simmons did does yeah agreed uh it, it's a problem and and the thing is he's still gonna always have value because again 610 guy can get to the rim can do so many other things but he, it limits him if that jump shot's not working and it and Look, we haven't gotten to him yet. Um, Giannis is on this list, but like Giannis's jumper is starting to fall and doesn't feel broken in the same way, right? Like it feels like that one started to go in where it's just, I don't feel that way about Simmons or I don't think it's going, I don't think it'll ever get to the same level. So it's, that's the concern where the guy just above him now, Donovan Mitchell, I feel like, you know, is his shooting great? No. Uh, in fact, it showed up a little it's bit. Good. It's good. It it can get better, but I don't. I feel like, in fact, it, it didn't look great against Australia in that loss. But but I feel like he can get there, right? Right. I mean, Donovan Mitchell to me has kind of been, in some ways, a uh, a modern Allen Iverson of what the 76ers are with Iverson, which is okay. This guy is good enough to create solid shots uh, for himself. So let's just surround him with a bunch of defensive first players. And yes, the spacing will be bad and everything will be clogged and it'll be hard for him and it'll hurt his efficiency, but we can be better as a team this way. And I think that's been the Jazz's approach. Like, let's be defense first and Donovan Mitchell carry us on offense. And that's not great for Mitchell's numbers, but you watch him play. It's impressive the shots he can get off. Uh, He goes on hot streaks. He started cold uh, last season and his rookie year. I think 
think he's more of the player that he shows to be late in the year. Not necessarily in the playoffs, but later in the regular season. But I am worried about relying on those uh, limited samples. On the other hand, everybody seems to love his attitude, love being around him. Uh, Just the right approach you'd want to see to project somebody to hit this top 10 level in five years. Exactly. I think, and I think he grows a lot. He gets a lot of help out of, out of being around Greg Popovich is a good thing. And I, I, Quinn Snyder in Utah as the coach had the right attitude, which is, you know, Hey, go soak up all of that. Go get us, be a sponge, get all the knowledge you can get out of being around Greg Popovich at team USA. It's going to be good for you. You know what else will be helpful for him? Mike Conley, and uh, Bojan Bogdanovich yeah. uh, to get some better offensive players around him. I think that's going to be a big boost to Mitchell's numbers. Not necessarily his ability to play, but he'll be in better situations offensively. I would agree. I would agree. Um, then we move up one more on the ladder. Number seven, Carl Anthony Towns. It's not a question of does he have the skill. It's This is the, this is the ultimate can he reach the ceiling question, isn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you remember a couple of years ago when NBA.com does their GM survey of who you want to start a team with? He was number one. Yeah. Not that long ago. Yep. He is so talented. Uh, he can do everything as a, a scorer, inside, outside. Uh, he has the size, the mobility to be a good defender. It would seem he's nowhere yes. close. And it just, sometimes it just seems like he just doesn't have the mindset. Like he, he just drifts too often, and maybe that comes with time, or maybe that's just his personality, and that's going to be the big question. Yeah, it's, I think that that's, you know, obviously we didn't include Jimmy Butler as one of our voters on <laughs> in this. We're kind of high on him reaching that potential, but I think that that's ultimately, like, the question is, is, is can he defend on a consistent basis? Can he do some of these things that he knows how to do, but he doesn't seem to constantly you know, bring it as much every night and he needs to, um, um, yeah, I, they're clearly looking to get a number, a, a better number two next to him to help that team out too. Because, um, I know there's another story today about how this time it's really important for Andrew Wiggins and he understands that, but, uh, um, I'll believe that when I see it. Right. Um, right. Um, uh, de- defense. I'm not sure he knows how to do it. And that's concerning their offense. He does offense yeah. when he is not dominating, that's because his mentality isn't there to do it. Interesting you brought up Jimmy Butler. I bet Jimmy Butler would have Towns right in the range we have, maybe even higher. And I think that's part of what drove Butler nuts, was that he knew exactly how talented Towns was, and yet Jimmy Butler was still better. And I think Jimmy Butler resented how much better he was than a more talented Carl Anthony Towns. Number six, Kawhi Leonard. It's all about that. It's completely a bet on health. If he's healthy, yes, he'll be 33, but, uh, or I mean 32, I think. But look, he's still going to be able to defend. He's still going to be able to use that strong physical mechanical style to get to his spots on the floor. He's so, he's just so proficient and so talented. Uh, his game, you'll be past his prime. It'll slip a little. Maybe this is a little bit high, but he's still going to be a very good player in, in five years if he's healthy. And that's, it's just, this is the one where we didn't really split the difference on what the downside could be. We seem to vote for the upside, and maybe that's some recency bias after the title. But the question isn't, could he be good? It's just, is he going to be physically able to do those things? Yeah, you want to talk about the recency bias? I had him number three, which probably was too high. Uh, but, man, we just saw him play at such a high level. Yeah. And he knows how to load manage now, right? Like, this experiment works. It's not going to change. No team, especially not the Clippers, they know better, uh, is going to push him to play too much in the regular season. Like Teams will know how to use him. Now, that said, even in this year's finals, he was kind of limping to the finish. I mean, you could see the injuries, uh, the injury problems starting to mount. And that's a serious thing he's dealing with. So this one could look, look wrong, but, I mean, man. And I agree this is recency bias. I just can't get over how good he just looked, and he's yeah. not old. No, he's not. No, he's not. And and I think that you, you, we talk about it. It's just you've got to if you manage him, which the clip, obviously the Clippers will do. Obviously, he is going to get. I th- look when he plays sixty regular season games last year. I think that's going to be about the norm, right? Like he's going to be, mm-hmm. he, or he's going to miss twenty ish games every year. 
And the Clippers have a good enough roster around him, especially once Paul George comes back, obviously, which is what a month or two into the season, whenever that ends up being from from his offseason surgery. They've got plenty of talent on that roster to still win enough games to make the playoffs and then watch out. <laughs> and then and then they've got, you know, in the playoffs, two-way wings, one two-way wing just won a title with a good team around him. They're going to have prob- arguably the two best two-way wings I don't even think arguably the best two way two two best two way wings. That was suddenly hard to say uh, <laughs> um, in the league, and that just makes them a force of nature potentially in the playoffs if those guys are all healthy and clicking. So, um, yeah, I I'm with you. He's just he was so good, and I think his game can age fairly well. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. If if the quad tendon isn't an issue, watch out. <laughs> I, I still think he's that good. So I'm with you. Um, number five, Zion Williamson, which is a it's a big bet, right? It's a big bet on the potential and him living up to that potential. But <clears throat> he's got the talent to be this good. You know, let's put it this way. He's got the athleticism to be this good. It's not even just the athleticism, so it's obviously a big part of it. He was so good at Duke. He was so productive, right? It's not, it's not just that yeah. we're saying... Here's this high-flying athlete, like, he'll figure it out. He's already figured it out. He dominated college basketball in ways we've rarely seen. And so the athleticism athleticism convinces you this will translate to the NBA. Um, One thing I am a little concerned about is I I do think we have this right. I do think this is the right projection. Uh, For a rookie, I, I feel like there's a decent chance his peak could come fairly early into his career because he's so reliant on that athleticism, yeah. uh, because of his body type. It, it's just so much unlike anything we've seen. Uh, in 2024, we might be looking at his peak. I mean, we'll see. We'll have, obviously, a, a better idea then. In tw- I'm not necessarily going to stick by that in five years. We might say, hey, he's got another half decade of dominance ahead of him. Uh, but just projecting now is possible. We are projecting his peak value. Yeah, that's, very, that's actually a really good point because – if if he's reliant on that, that athleticism more and more, as that starts to fade just a little, so much comes off your game. So I, I think that's a good point, and I think in five years he you know he will have learned enough craft and know how to play the game, and you know, and it'll be interesting. I think again, New Orleans becomes an interesting team this year, but with David Griffin there, I feel confident they're going to be put together probably a pretty good roster <clears throat> around him. Number four. Nikola Jokic, um, what are we betting on that he can be? I mean, obviously he's already the best passing big man in the game, one of the best centers in the game. He's young. What's what's the next level for him? Uh, I would say the best passing big man of all center of all time. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. The next level is defense. It's yeah. it's probably coming with getting in a little better shape. He's a smart defender. Uh, so that helps. But when he's not this leaper, he's not this rim protector, uh, it leaves the Nuggets vulnerable mm. defensively, and they've been good defensively with him. Uh, but for him to reach this really high level, that's that's what's got to come. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the other thing. It's like I hate to be the kind of guy who says he's a bit doughy, he's got to get in better shape and all that because he's obviously – Look, he's a professional athlete competing at a high level. He's in a certain level of condition, and I don't expect him to go out there and like have Corey Maggette arms. But I think there is another level of conditioning that does help his defense, does help him stay on the court a little more, helps him stay healthier probably longer, and that is part of reaching the next level for him. Um, and with that, like you said, will come a little better defense. And that said... He's still going to be a force of nature in five years, man. He is. He is going to be able. You're going to be able to run the offense through him. He's going to be able to get points. He can step out and shoot. He can get you buckets around the rim. He's physically strong. There's just. This is a a well put together game and a well put together. Um, just just such a beautiful game to watch and so much fun the way they built the Nuggets around him. So, it's and, and he was a second round pick. Yep. Uh, we haven't been talking about any other second round picks or undrafted players on this list. I don't even know in five years who will be the second best second round pick. Uh, I wouldn't even know where to, yeah. to start wow. on that because good point. there's nobody close. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'd ha- you'd, you'd have to go back and try to think about that a little bit. But yeah, I'm not sure. I can't, Off the top of my head, I'm not sure there's anybody even in the ballpark. So. Certainly not the guy at number, th- at number three just above him, Luka Doncic, who... Um, 
maybe the I can't believe we didn't take him number one regret in a couple of years. Um, or number two. Or number two. Uh, yeah. Conditioning. Again, I think part of that um, is the next step for him, but we're already seeing better of that from him, right? And his pick and roll game, I don't know how much like his pick and roll IQ and game are, are going to get better, but there are other aspects of his game that can improve. And he's still, I mean, people forget he's tall. He sees over people. He passes over them. He's physically strong enough to go through them. I, I think he just gets better at using those skills. Yeah, I mean, he dominated Europe as a teenager in a way that, you know, just based on the, the stats, you'd say, wow, this guy's going to be great. There was concern about how he played with his athleticism. He answered that last year, right? He yeah. is not athletically overwhelmed by the NBA, not in the least. I'm convinced. I'm sold he's going to be a, an excellent player. And I do think his uh, conditioning, athleticism concerns, I think that works for him because he's already so good. And that's... Uh, maybe not caring about those things as much while younger, not that he didn't care at all, but, but being in an NBA nutrition and strength and development program, I, I think could bode very well for him to be even better than he's, you know, than the track he's already shown. Yeah. And the track is already pretty good. And, but what do you think of the poor Zingas Doncic pairing? Um, it, I get back to me. It's like, I kept trying to think about that. And I'm like, Honestly, I have to see it because I don't quite know what Porzingis looks like. In theory, it's a really nice pick and roll pairing, but he doesn't set Porzingis isn't necessarily a doesn't set DeAndre Jordan picks out there or even Brooke Lopez right. picks. Like he's got to set better picks for that to all work. Be interesting to see how it comes together. Yeah, in general, I think I'd like to see more of a a perimeter player like Doncic paired with a a uh, rim running point or a big man, and then you have more of a pick-and-pop guy like Porzingis. Generally, I'd like to see that with more of a an attacking point guard, a little more balance there. It can definitely work, and there's young talent, right? That's what they're betting on, the young talent, and they'll figure it out, and I think that's a, a decent bet, even if the fit isn't ideal, right? You just got to get the... You can get good young players with that kind of upside, and you just do it. Yeah, exactly. Number two on the list, I think he just got slept on because for, by some fans because of last season, but uh, Laker fans are not sleeping on it anymore. Anthony Davis is... 26 and entering his prime and man he's good at just everything score inside score outside runs the floor protects the rim just the complete all-around game yeah i you know his reputation obviously took a hit because of the the trade request and how that that went down but he is so good he was having such a good year last year it's a shame uh, that we didn't get to see the rest of it yeah to me one of the big missing ingredients in his game entering last year was his ability to play make for others he was really doing that last year he's already yeah. so good at so many other things as a finisher as a defender uh shooting from range and that was one of the two things missing he got it the other one missing is i'm not sure his ability to go get a bucket for himself and usually when we talk about the players who are at this level a top two player in the league when you need a basket, they're capable of going to get one. That's not his game. He's okay at that. He's pretty good at that. But he's not in that elite level like the very best players in the league usually are. But maybe he's just going to be a different kind of number two player in the league because he's so, so good at everything else and young enough where we can comfortably project uh, that he's going to remain so, so good at everything else. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he gets to... Uh... I think the situation he lands in with the Lakers is good. I mean, obviously they contend right now with, with LeBron... <laughs> providing they're healthy and, um, you know, how how seriously they contend really depends on the hodgepodge of players around them and and that and how that all comes together. But obviously the plan there is as LeBron fades, you hand the mantle over to um, Anthony Davis, and that's a per- perfectly good guy to hand it over to if you can get the rest of the players around him. That's that's a you know he's an elite star and and as good as they get. Um, but before we reveal the very, very surprising number one that I'm sure nobody sees coming, yes, uh, I do have an answer for second best. Oh, second you looked it up. Wow. Okay. In five years, it's actually somebody I had ranked in my top fifty. Didn't make our overall cut. Uh, Chris Middleton. Ooh. I had as high as thirty-five. I think he'll still be a, a pretty good player. Uh, if you want more of a wild card, Mitchell Robinson. 
younger, not nearly as good as Middleton now, uh, but potentially maybe if everything comes together for him. Maybe he's a top fifty player in five years. Yeah, Mitchell was one of the guys on my. Uh, I'd have to look back at the exact numbers. And I don't have that sheet up right now, but I around 55, 60, maybe somewhere in there. I, I mean, I remember seeing his name just below the list of, uh, by the way, if anybody was wondering who number 51 was, cause we had to shift some stuff around at the end. Julius Randall was the guy who just missed the cut. And you think that's still too and, high, but <laughs> and, and that was, I'm sure in part because of my late complaint of, are we really going to have Julius Randall on this list? Uh, well, well, there was, there was some logistical mistake uh, stuff and some high school guys that we were, we, a couple guys who were near the bottom got bumped for high school guys. We think have potential too. So, um, as we, as we massage the list, but yeah, he would have been 51, but Robinson was in my list there. That's, um, well, I'll tell you, I came away again, spending some time with USA and watching. I know some people were ripping on Middleton again after the Australia performances, and I know he struggled against teams like O of Eight against Canada. Um, he was the best player on the floor against Spain. He looks so good. He's so smooth. He just again, another guy who just does everything well. And I think his game ages pretty well. Not having him on this list may have been him. May have been a mistake. Maybe he's a little better than we give him credit for. I, I, how old would he be? I didn't have to look that up. Um, I want to say he'll be about 32. I, yeah. you know, it's, it, I don't. I wasn't gonna complain about him not being on there. I, he's one of the highest ranked. He'll be 33, so yeah. it gets tough, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. when you get to that age, you can't depend on it. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's. I do think the difficulty of making this list is there are so many obviously unknowns. Oh yeah, th- like this list is going to be very wrong, but I still like that's bound to happen. I still think. That might mean we did a good job on it, uh, yeah. Because there's just so many unknowns. So you know, Middleton is somebody we know to be good right now, and it's easy to project him out. But there are going to be so many players who who come out of nowhere and be long on this top fifty for sure. Yeah, exactly. I feel comfortable with number one though. I feel comfortable. Yeah, me too. Zero, I, I feel... zero debate in my mind. Yeah, for you. No, it was. I mean, I thought about Anthony Davis briefly, but it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, and it's it's look, he'll be twenty nine. Um, he just won the MVP and elite defensively can get to the rim against anybody. It's part of the fun of watching FIBA basketball this summer. You like, you think NBA teams can't stop him. Watch him tuning up against Italy the other day. You're like, dude, they have no chance. These poor guys, (laughs) these poor guys have no hope. Um, but the other thing that's coming around, if you notice the end of last year and into the playoffs, he is getting a jump shot. It is he's developing a confidence with it. It's starting to fall. He puts in the work on it. He may never, you know, look, he's never going to be a Curry, um, even even Seth. But as if that jumper becomes a modicum of a threat enough that you've really got to watch him and you've it, and and it just something that he can hit consistently, then then I don't know how you stop him. And I think that you know, again, he'll be twenty nine. He'll be right in the middle of right at his prime. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to project him as the number one player in, in five years. Right, and that's the difference between him and Ben Simmons is he takes them, right? He has yes. self-confidence in him. He takes them. You have to account for him out there. Uh, it's getting better. It's not good enough right now. And he doesn't obviously doesn't even need it to be good. Uh, he just won MVP without a dependable jumper. Uh, you know, he's obviously way ahead of, of Simmons right now and uh, way, yeah. way ahead of a lot of players. Right now, here, here to me is the harder question, right? I, we had zero doubt that if we're picking one player to be number one in five years, it's Giannis. Would you take Giannis or the field to be the best player in the league Ooh. in five years? That's a good question. Um, probably going to take the field just because there's... Five years is a is about four and a half of five lifetimes in the <laughs> NBA. Just because of injuries, because of things that can go on, um, I'd probably take the field. Uh, somebody could rise up, and maybe you know, maybe Zion's better than we thought, and we had him fifth. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen, but uh, we'll see. But I, I, I feel really comfortable with Giannis number one. But if you had made me choose him or the field, I'd probably still choose the field. What about you? Yeah, I'm taking the field pretty comfortably. Um, I mean, just just so much is unknowable in five yeah, years. Exactly, exactly. Well, Dan, thanks for doing this, uh, and thanks for taking part in this process. Uh, you, you know, I'll let you relax for a week before we, you know, or two before then we have to start previewing teams <laughs> for the NBA as uh, training camps will get close to opening and. Uh, We'll be back next week with more Pro Basketball Talk, probably talking some podcast. I think we're going to talk some uh, FIBA World Cup and uh, the teams to watch there. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, for everybody, for reading the 
50 and 5 podcast or, or process, listening to the podcasts and uh, reading the stories at NBCSports.com. Again, thank you for all that. We'll be back next week with more NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk podcast. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I had the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.